Hi, Jeff here from the University of Kentucky. Ciao, I'm Kristen from the University of Minnesota. Salut, this is Tina from the University of Colorado. And alam, greetings. This is Stuart from the University of Mississippi. Welcome to Pharmacy Fika. A podcast for pharmacy educators by pharmacy educators. Where we discuss teaching and learning, scholarship, and academic life. In Sweden, a fika is a coffee break, but it's much more than that. It's a state of mind and attitude. It's all about slowing down. And finding time for friends and colleagues. While you sip a beverage and enjoy a little something nice to eat. So join us. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Pharmacy Fika, Epidose number 17. And it's nearing the end of the semester. By the time this episode comes out, it'll be May. So we know that people will be going to graduation, all those happy celebrations that happen. All of us are celebrating because our our workload suddenly went down by quite a bit. So that's always good. Today, we have a special guest, and I wanted to allow our guest, Russ Melcher, to share his his fika snack and beverage, and each of us will do so. But as you know, the tradition is in a fika that people come together and enjoy a little something to eat and a little something to drink as part of the tradition. So, Russ, tell us what you've brought. Well, thank you all for inviting me onto the podcast. I'm so excited to be here, and my my wife knows that I've, I've listened to every epidose, and I actually really looking forward to when they come out. So I'm I'm really nervous because I feel like I'm on this great just in my favorite That's, show and you're all my stars uh, and I really shouldn't be here and all that. So she, she, she gave me a special treat, one of my favorites to bring uh, after I explained what a fika was to her. And so she gave me, and I'm holding up a Zagnut candy bar, oh, oh yeah, which are very few places in Kansas city where you can find these things, but they're delicious. And I'm probably not going to eat it today because it's 200 whopping calories and, <laughs> and I'll be sitting down most of the day. So, Jeff, since you're notorious for being the water man. Yeah, and I'm actually glad that this session is occurring when it is because things have converged, meaning the timing of this recording is during my normal snacking time instead of right before I eat lunch as usual. And two, I'm ramping up my training, which means there's more calories to be consumed. So I actually have something today of substance, and it is my NuGo dark chocolate pretzel protein bar. And my sparkling water on the side. Well, it's a bit early for me this morning, so I will be playing the role of Jeff Kane with my delicious water. And after we record, I will have my morning porridge. But it is, it's getting a little bit warmer out there, so I'm not heating it up anymore. I'm having my cool spring, summer version of porridge after this. So what a treat. Very good. Well, I just made a trip to Trader Joe's, which means all kinds of goodies. And this morning, it is some chocolate-covered blueberries. Just a few. I love those chocolate-covered blueberries. Or a kai is the other one that mm. I really enjoy. So, yeah, I'm having my pure protein bar this morning and a cup of black tea because I need a little bit more caffeine. Even though I had a cup of coffee, I need more this morning to get me going. Yeah. So, Well, today's Fika episode, we're going to be talking about community the importance of community and connection, and how that contributes to a vibrant academic environment, vibrant universities and colleges. But I'm going to have Jeff do a little introductory remarks 
and explain why we invited Russ. Yeah, so I think the idea for this actual Epidose emerged a couple of months ago when I was speaking with a PPS section, a Zoom coffee chat about, really it's about student engagement and faculty engagement, disengagement. And in the chat section and in some of the comments, there started to be an emerging theme of it comes down to community and building the community to help with the engagement. So that's where this kind of overall topic came from. And of course, the first thought of the guest would be was Russ because of his passion for this and his AACP platform. So Russ, thank you for coming. And maybe we'll just let you kind of start the comments of where you see the importance of this in our academic community and maybe the things you've, you've hoped to inspire us and get us all back into the place where we need to be. Sure. Thank you, Jeff. And just kind of rewind a, a couple of years and, and, and tell you where this kind of became an important topic for me. And I think we were all experiencing, especially in the early days of the pandemic, the isolation. Our, former, our, our current Surgeon General, who was also a former Surgeon General, Vivek Murthy, kind of said it best, you know, that social distancing was not what we needed, physical distancing, but not social distancing. And I was having this conversation with our former executive vice president and CEO of the American Association of Colleges of Pharmacy, Lucinda Main. I, I was lamenting the fact that how we had kind of lost all this connectedness and the video conferencing just didn't seem to quite replace it. And she said, have you ever read the book Together?, by Surgeon General Vivek Murthy. And I said no. And so she promptly got me a copy and away I went. And why this is such an important topic to all of us, I think, is really summarized nicely by the, Dr. Murthy in, in that book. And he kind of reviews a lot of literature and I highly recommend it. But he cited a study funded by the Henry J. Kaiser Family Foundation published in 2018, showing that 22% of adults in the United States report often or almost always feeling lonely. And that's more than 55 million people in this country alone, which, as he points out, is double the number of cigarette smokers and double the number of people with diabetes. And then he goes on to summarize research by Dr. Julianne Holt-Lundstad, who's spent a career working on these type of issues. And she found that the impact of Lacking social connection on overall health was equivalent to the risk of smoking 15 cigarettes per day. Uh, so she surmised that the risk of morbidity and mortality from a lack of connection and loneliness is greater than the risks associated with obesity, excess alcohol consumption, and lack of exercise. So it's not good for you. And what can we do? You know, recognition is one thing. So that's sort of the why for me. And then what to do, I think, is the rest of the conversation. So I became interested in community as as part of some work with the Gallup organization and and their implementation on the well-being model. And so they start with community as the place where we live and the place where we need to feel secure, like physically secure. I think we have all taken that concept and, and broadened it to include psychological security. But for me, community has become really important because we have to build community. We need to be much more intentional about community now. And how do we do that? And I think one of the keys is finding out what's important to people and coming together around what's important. 
things. A community is absolutely foundation to how I do my work and how I live my life. But I also wonder, in hearing some of Russ's statistics about equating a lack of community or loneliness to cigarette smoking or sedentary lifestyle, it's also a learned behavior, I think. And what one of the things I'm feeling now is we might have sort of lost our skill for 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 working as a community, for living as a community, for connecting as a community, not just with our students, but actually in the academic community as well. And I wonder if we're not intentional about training like Jeff does, training for the for the big long run. Um if those are things that have atrophied over time that we'll lose completely. I'm interested in this topic, I think, for two big reasons. Russ pointed out the health reasons. It is critically important to our well-being. Mental health and physical health is all related to our social connections, having a strong social support network, our feeling of belonging, all of that stems from a sense of community and being with others. I, I don't think people realize how much of an impact it has on their physical health. I'm not sure what the, all the connections are, but we know there's a strong mind-body connection to everything. And so it doesn't surprise me that our physical health deteriorates where we feel isolated and alone. I think the other big reason, though, I'm super interested in this is learning is a social phenomenon. And we are in learning communities. And if we don't have a strong sense of community, how do we engage in the act of learning? We, we can't. And so I think that's the other reason why it's so important within an academic environment is to have people to learn with. We have to be engaged with one another in a rich, robust kind of way to advance our disciplines, to advance our profession, to advance our institutions. So... I think one of the things that interests me about this topic, and particularly since the pandemic and a lot of work became more digital and more hybrid, and how, how it's different than the face-to-face stuff. And there is an article in uh, the Wall Street Journal, and it says there's no substitute for meeting in person, and here's why. And it says that the face-to-face interactions sometimes feel like a lot more work. Oh, we've got to go someplace. We've got to be there. We've got to show up. But in reality, they're actually more energizing, that the actual being around people gives us the energy that we need to be excited about stuff and to pursue things. And if we equate this, the communications that a lot of the social media communications are, one phrase that's used for them is that they are emotional junk food, meaning you have the illusion of connection when you have text or you have tweets or you have something that comes in via digital and you read it and you're just like, oh, I'm, I'm getting fed, but it is junk food. It's not nutritious, that it's not fulfilling. And so that's the kind of the piece that I think that, that interests me in this education environment that, yeah, we can deliver education, we can have meetings, but is it really fulfilling at the end of the day? And I don't know what your all's thoughts about this and about just the changing of, of environments. Well, I think that analogy of comparing it to junk food, you know, junk food is engineered to make you want more. Like everything about the fat and sugar makes us crave, makes us feel like we're getting what we need initially, even though we're not. And 
I think maybe our work environments are starting to engineer for that, for the junk food meeting. I think it's going to take some really purposeful changes. I think also our students, we, we've talked before about for many of us, I remember Stuart saying, once I've met somebody and I have a good relationship with them, then I can have some some online meetings because we sort of already have created this sense of trust. But for our learners who may have started their life playing collaborative video games or online dating, they may have started in that virtual space. And so for them, they're like, oh, meeting somebody in person that I don't know well online feels very weird to me. (laughs) And so that definition of community and what we're seeking, I think, is, is starting to clash. I have sort of an, an observation that is not scientific, more anecdotal, just from my own personal experiences on this. And I'll use the terms that the ACP staff have, have been using and our, our new EVP, Lee Vermeulen, has been using a lot is 3D meetings versus 2D. I was thinking about this in terms of a pharmacokinetic problem. You know, how do you build new communities or rebuild old communities, grow those communities and then maintain them? And I was thinking that building new community and rebuilding community is best done in a three-dimensional environment. As Jeff was, was saying, it, it's, it's the best and most complete way and fastest way to do it. And then maintenance doses to sort of keep us in the therapeutic window may work with two-dimensional gatherings of us. And we often are reflecting back on those times when we were together. Hey, you remember when we went to the baseball game? You know, and, and that works. You kind of wanes over time to the point where you almost need to go back for another loading dose, another three-dimensional experience with your community. But my own personal experience on this was uh, the two jobs that I've had here at UMKC. So I was serving as dean of the School of Pharmacy, still am today, and that was built the traditional way. I started in 2010, building a team of, of leaders and, and growing those relationships that over time have been lasting. But Right when the pandemic started, the provost asked me to serve as the interim dean of our school of dentistry at the same time. And we were at the clinics were shut down. Our leadership team was all two dimensional. I hadn't even really been in rooms with these people (laughs) back then. It was a mask on, no food away from each other. So you couldn't get the full facial expression, the full three dimensional experience. But we did build lasting relationships too deep, but there was this unifying cause. The clinics were going to lose $7 million because they were closed. How do we open them back up? Our students aren't getting the learning experiences they need because the clinics are closed. And so this huge problem that we all had to gather together was the binding force that, that allowed that to happen. It wasn't very efficient to build those relationships and community that way. It can be done, but I think you almost need that burning cause and that requires this in-depth dialogue and engagement to have that happen. So that's been an observation that I've had. I've noticed that meetings in general, and this is not just Zoom, but this is meetings where people gather, faculty meetings, committee meetings, that the level of engagement between people is diminished. And this is not just our students. I obviously notice it with our students when they gather in class, the level of engagement. I really don't know the root causes of all that. I don't know if it's the distraction of devices in the environment is part of it. We all have our devices in the environment. And 
faculty are as guilty as, as students are at looking at them, whether it's their laptops or their smartphones, when we're in a committee or having a meeting because they get, well, I think, bored with what's happening in the environment, <laughs> just like our students get bored with us. And so they're not engaging with it, but it really makes the environment and the task at hand less fulfilling for everybody. And that only contributes more to the boredom and that makes it less fulfilling. And it just becomes a downward spiral, I think. And I don't know how to reverse that. Somehow banning devices just does not seem like a good solution uh, because that would create a lot of resentment among faculty and students. But how do we have the self-awareness and also the self-discipline to bring ourselves to full attention, to be, be present in those group environments in an intentional way. And I think we're losing that. I wonder too, I mean, I think we're seeing these challenges in engagement, both amongst the academic community and the, the learner community. But I wonder if the reasons for the lack of, of lack of that community are the same reasons. You know, the, the impact is the same. What we would do, like I read this really provocative piece from The Atlantic that I'll, I'll we can link in the show notes. That's fifty four percent of young Americans would become an influencer if given the chance. Now, this wasn't even a career option that was open to me. I mean, there were influential people, but there was not a title, you know, cobbler, <laughs> horseshoe maker, and influencer. And again, that influence is not actual live influence. It is via social media. And these numbers are just really astounding. But on the other hand, it says a 2022 survey found that 23% of Gen Z expects never to retire. 59% does not own or expect to ever own a home in their lifetime. And, you know, so I'm like, oh, actually, maybe what they think community is but I'm like, okay, my idea of community comes from childhood sports, being on a team, having a coach, working together, everybody bringing their best. And that is absolutely what goes on in my head about what, what a community looks like, a, a sports team and sports teams that I've had experience with. And it doesn't have to be through sports. It could have been through music or theater or whatever. And the benefit of us working together or being together or communicating together is better for the group and for me. And we've kind of missed that. Now we don't know how to do it. <laughs> yeah, my son, most actually, I would say all of his friendships are online friendships, all of them. And one of the things that I worry about, and I don't know that this is true, but somehow there's a dimensionality of online friendships that's not the same. And particularly if, well, let's say you get sick, Who, who's coming to your home to help take you to the, the doctor's office? Something's really bad happened in your home or you're really depressed and so you're not online. Who, who, who is showing up to say, hey, you know what I mean? Like yeah. there's a dimensionality to an online relationship that is different. And I don't, I don't think there can be a substitute for direct human connection personally. And maybe I'm wrong. Maybe maybe all those things will be taken care of by robots and by 
paid services that come to your home and check in on you and your friendships are all online and, and that works just fine. But I personally feel because there's so many of our young folks that their anxiety, their depression is so much higher than previous generations. Is it the milieu of our times or is it really related to a lack of connection with one another in real meaningful ways, what I would call real meaningful ways? I don't know. And, and is our work and learning environments, is it that junk food that's feeding us and it tastes like, hey, I didn't have to commute today. And I think some flexibility is great. <laughs> but that idea of, oh, I'm more productive, it feels like that's a win, but, but we're degrading the social infrastructure and expectations with how we learn and how we work. And it's going to be much harder to get that back yeah. after we've eaten junk food. So <laughs> what you just reinforced what I was thinking, Tina, in that from the student's perspective and the faculty perspective is that, and I'm speaking probably mainly from my even thoughts, that things are becoming more and more transactional in that the student side, the learning is a transaction. Well, you've got to give me this content. I got to do it and I got to perform on an exam. Just do that. I can do If I can do that from home, great. From the faculty side, the transactional, I have to produce a certain amount of work and I got to do it in a more fast and efficient way I can do it. If I can do it online, better. That removes all of that nebulous thing that we're trying to define as connection and community that just sort of just takes that out of the picture because it's we're just primarily looking at the transactions and what can I, how can I make the most efficient transactions? So now that we've defined some of the problems... And we, we recognize it as, as occurring to all of us, not just our learners, but to all of us. How do we change that dynamic? What are the things that we can do in the book together? He talks about a culture of community. Like, how do we create a culture where this is highly valued and we're making the effort not to do the easy thing? The easy thing is to just sit at home and do the Zoom. But the, the more difficult thing is to to be in face-to-face -face engagement with each other, to fly to the AACP meeting, to be in community with other educators. It's expensive. It's, it takes effort, but it's probably worth it, I think. It's good that we have Russ yeah. here because he can now answer that question for us. <laughs> yeah, I've been thinking a lot about this over the past couple of years and, and from three basic standpoints my own personal well-being. And I, I go straight to Vivek Murthy's prescription in his book, and he points out four things. Spend time each day with those you love and focus on each other during those times. Put away the distraction. Embrace solitude. I mean, he says the first step towards building stronger connections with others is building a stronger connection with yourself through those things that you do that are enriching your, your soul, and such as meditation, prayer, art, exercise, time spent outside. And then help and be helped. And I, I think about that prescription and those four major things for me personally. At the student level and student-faculty interaction and staff in our School of Pharmacy, one thing that has occurred to me is that I meet with our student leaders once a semester. So these are class officers, student organization leaders. And we get together and we have food. And that's an important component of building community. We can do that again. So that's nice. But in 2021, the student leaders pointed to us and said, we're having a really hard problem getting, getting our fellow students engaged. You know, I said, gosh, we're having a really hard time getting our fellow faculty and staff and leaders engaged. 
how can we work on this together? There's a real opportunity to try to come together and, and point out the importance of community and that, that hit home. And it's hit home with a lot of programs around the country in terms of, uh, you know, student suicide and how do we prevent those sort of things? Are you noticing a, a person who's not around? You know, how, how do we reach out to them without violating any purpose or anything? But, but that connectedness is extremely important. And as, um, as Stuart pointed out, important for learning. And, and there's a piece by Daniel Malcolm in, in our journal, AJPE, in 2021, talking about loneliness. And he talks about his own experiences and just coming to, to class, forcing students to be here in and of itself is not the solution, but it does provide a substrate for those other interactions where he really built his communities, you know, the social uh, engagement and organizations and, and what have you. So that's one thing. And then the other thing on my mind is what can AACP do to build community and, and, and I'm biased because I, I love AACP, so uh, forgive me, but I, I think AACP is recognizing and getting back to doing what it does best, and that is provide substrate for the creation, building, growing, and maintenance of communities. And in doing that in ways that are not necessarily any additional cost with the sections and the SIGs, having very deliberate mentorship programs, getting volunteers to assist with that. And we all know that one of the best things about mentorship is, is learning from the mentees and, and vice versa, that, that mutually beneficial engagement. And then, of course, as, as Stuart mentioned, coming back together in meetings, our interim and annual meetings being live in 3D. And, and then, of course, a bad timing for us is we know the importance of those meetings and building and maintaining communities. But then the challenge now is how expensive they are because <laughs> it seems like the cost of travel has just skyrocketed and what, what can we do to make that a little easier on our members and member organizations and how do you utilize the time when you're together to make more intentional time for the, the connections and building these communities. So those three levels are my thinking about it, my own personal well-being, that of our students and our faculty and staff, and then what can the organization do? Well, I want to advocate maybe something a little radical, and that is us stopping, backing up a second, and really actively thinking about and talking about what community is to us and reconceptualizing it. Because I think I want to acknowledge that many of us have been through a tremendous loss over the past few years, and we now crave getting back to what life used to be like. And we want to create community like it was. So I heard us today talk about a lot of issues that are kind of entangled in community. We talked about isolation and loneliness and social energy and needs and, and all that. But what is, what is community to us in this new world? I think as an introvert living in an extrovert's world, I, I totally appreciate that everyone is feeling like we need to be in the same room, breathing the same air, because that's where I get energy. That's not the same for introverts. It's not that I don't ever want to be with people, but I don't, I don't have that tremendous drive like some people do. And so can we rebalance the world a little bit? And can we explore other needs besides the traditional needs as we reconceptualize what community is. And I like to interject, I do think that there is a new reality. And sometimes I 
feel like we're almost like, well, well, people don't want to, or it's it's too much effort to come together. There's a lot of new realities out there that people are coming to grips with. And and when we're making requests now for people to be present and maybe not giving them the best reason to be present other than to be present. Um, and, and we have to also acknowledge, I think we're much more aware now that that they're they may be making a, a sacrifice to do that. Like coming into work may be a luxury for some people mm-hmm. now in the circumstances where we're caring for lots of other people and we've got, you know, kids in school and there's all these other kinds of things that just weren't as dominant as they are now. And I'm seeing this now and as we're doing a survey of students and them talking about like the competing demands we tend to think, oh, they don't, you know, they're not making the effort to be here. Yeah, I, I, I'm going to push back slightly on this. And I say gently on this because I do agree technology has enabled us to be a participant in things that we couldn't have done before when there are other obligations, like unexpected. But before there was the technology, people did get sick. People did have other demands. And yet we were able to be together. And I think what's happening now is because the technology is available, we're trying to squeeze so much into our lives. We're trying to put all these other demands in there, which I actually think is not healthy for us. And they, well, I can participate in that meeting while I'm driving to this other thing. Yeah. I can do this while I'm doing this. And we, we purposefully start to structure our lives around it, that this technology enabled us to do about three things at once. And I just don't, that is good. We're not really engaged. But anyway, building more community. That's what we really want to focus on. So I'm going to turn to Jeff and ask you, are there things that you do in your class and your classes to try to build a greater sense of community? So you're asking me to answer that question. (laughs) And Jeff, and by the way, I think Kristen, Jeff, and I, and even though I fake it, are all introverts. Yes. I'm an introvert. I'm an expressive introvert. I get my energy from being alone. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I'm with you, Tina. I'm yeah. an expressive introvert. I really enjoy my time alone. And that, and back to Vivex Murthy's book, Solitude Being Okay with Solitude, it can be equally energizing. So, yeah, Jeff, is there things that you're trying to do to try to build a sense of community with students? Yeah, and I would say this is... I think probably most of the things that I've done have, have been trying to connect me with students, not building a community of students together per se. And I do some of that in the in the classwork, but I do try to spend time before and after class just in the room talking to students just in general. I try to get there early. Students that are there, they probably don't like it. They probably don't like it. It's like, oh, crap, I was wanting to like review stuff right before class and now he's trying to talk to me. A little of that, I've done some things to have office hours in the NR atrium that just puts me in the pathway of students that they just cross versus walking through two doors, which doesn't seem that hard, but it is amazingly the difference to students that will stop and talk. And sometimes it's class related and sometimes it's not. So I think probably the, the underlying piece of that is putting myself in the pathway of students to cross paths face to face. That's probably the things yeah. that I've done that's worked the best for me. 
Well, I wanted to conclude our episode by just mentioning that I think one of the reasons why I wanted to create the FICA podcast is to create a sense of community with the four of us, that we have a regular time to talk with each other about stuff that we care about. And I think that time, like many of us, don't build in regular time to talk about stuff that we care about. It's just, it's just not a part of our lives anymore as it perhaps once was. So if I was to say anything to faculty out there is consider that and preserve it because the other thing is we create it and then we just don't go. <laughs> and it's only going to survive and exist if you create uh, a commitment to it and to be there regularly. With that, I think we're going to say goodbye because we're at the end of our episode. Thank you so much, Russ, for being here with us today. Yes, thank you, Russ. Thank you for having me. I loved it. Thank you so much. I feel very proud of my presence on this. So thank you very much. Thanks for amplifying our message too, Russ. We really appreciate it. Great to have you. Bye, everybody. Bye. Bye. Take care. Bye. Thanks for listening to Pharmacy Fika, a podcast where we enjoy coffee and conversations. If you liked this episode, please pass it along to a colleague and be sure to rate us. You can share your reactions on Twitter at Pharmacy Fika, but please be kind. This is a safe space. Got a question or want to suggest a topic for a future episode? Leave us a voice message at speakpipe.com slash Pharmacy Fika. Bye for now. Namaste. Das Vidanya. Au revoir.